let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions and we're back once again and we are diving straight into a crisp cold lager on this warm May evening, aren't we mate? It is. It has been a particularly warm day as well today recording. I think it's going to get warmer the next couple of days as well. So a few of these might be quite welcome. What is it we're drinking here? So we've got uh, Freedom Lager. So this is a 4%. And I think they've had a bit of a a rebrand. And I certainly haven't seen the cans before myself. And I think they've also been doing it as a bit of a um, Love Thy Neighbour kind of promo as well, where you can uh, make some sort of order and perhaps you can get one delivered to your neighbour or leave one of their doorstep. And they're on the back, they've got Love Lager again, which I think, you know, to be fair, quite a few people are starting to love lager again. Uh, it's definitely a, we still think it's a growing market. It's, it looks like, a, it does look very much like a macro lager, I'll be honest, in a glass. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a brand that I've, I've got to say, I've, I've always overlooked. And, and, and according to the, the, the oracle that is untapped, I've never drunk Freedom Lager. Um, a bit before and that probably explains my, my thinking behind some something I've always over, overlooked I think that their bottles were very similar branding wise but never really jumped out on me from 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 the shelf um, I don't know what it is I don't know why I've always overlooked it it's very weird I mean on the back it says um, a lager lovingly brewed for 25 glorious years um, but it's de- definitely not a company I know too much about but what I do know is two things one they do have their beers at the Gherkin uh, in London, uh, where we went for my stepdaughter's 21st last year. And I don't know if they still are, but on Moonpig, it used to be under the gifts section. You know, when you go through and it goes, yeah. chocolates, flowers, and it used to have a couple of beer selections. Freedom Largo was always one of the beer selections. You know what? I think it is still there because I think I've seen it recently. And I think that's a good, you know, that's a good idea. I wonder if that's, subconsciously put me off getting it so so this is this is four percent so it's it's fairly light for for a lager um in the glass it's very very it's very very light yellow i'd i'd say um i don't know about you but i've got hardly any head it kind of almost disappeared straight away which is with with a lager i do like a nice foamy head and I, i do like that to kind of stay for as long as possible as well yeah, and while I don't want it to be maybe quite so forced carbonation as some of the macro beers, I feel like I'm lacking a bit of life to it, which is one of the things I do look for in a lager. So I want that bit of life. I want that bit of head. I want it to be crisp. It's, I'll be honest, I don't know if I could distinguish it from many other lagers that you can buy pop, you know, popularly. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. It's, um, it's really light. Flavor wise, maybe a little bit of a hint of lemon in there. Um, there's, there's a little bit of a sharp finish. It's not, not as crisp as I'd like. Without, without being rude, um, it's a little bit one dimensional. I, I think in terms of, of, of what it offers, it doesn't really offer a lot of depth and a lot of finish um, to, to it. Um, but it's probably a bit too light. It's yeah, the 4%, yeah. maybe needs a little bit more body to it, something to hold it, maybe that little bit of lemon that you described there may come through a little bit more. It, it feels like they're trying to give people who drink macro lager 
a feeling that they're not drinking macro lager without shocking them too much. My reasoning behind overlooking it in the past is maybe justified upon trying it. Yeah, I mean, I probably should say that, you know, Freedom sent these to us. So first of all, thank you very much. Um, pretty sure they've got other beers in their range, but I'm just not that familiar with them. But yeah, this one, it's not the kind of lager I'm looking for. And we've had a few good lagers recently. We, we have, yeah. Um, but still, we'll, we'll enjoy it. It's, 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 doing, it's doing the job of at least quenching a thirst on a, on, on a warm evening. Oh, definitely. Definitely doing that. Yeah. Um, so while we work our way through this, uh, a little bit of news uh, again this week. And again, this is uh, initially following up on what you were saying last week about um, bars reopening in Germany, mate. Yeah. So I was chatting to my brother a couple of days ago. Uh, his wife went back to work uh, in the pub that she works in in Cologne on Monday last week. So effectively, it's table service. The staff are in masks all the time. You disinfect your hands upon entry. Customers are in masks other than when they're sitting at the table. Drinks are delivered. Drinks orders are taken at the table. Drinks orders are delivered to the table on a tray. And the tray is left with the table for them to get their own drinks, to finish their drinks, and then leave their glasses on the tray. So again, minimal, minimizing the amount of contact. What they're also doing is you have to give your contact details. So if there is any sort of outbreak, they do the contact tracing. So that's also taking place. Literally, you write down your, con you leave your contact details there as well. So they've, they've put in quite a lot of measures. One thing that was really quite interesting from Paul is that every day of the week, including the Saturday he went in, to meet up with one other one person from another household, similar sort of rules to what we've got. Um, he said it wasn't very busy at all. Oh, really? So, yeah, it sounds like there is still a certain amount of nervousness about going to the pubs. Equally, that's also balanced out by the fact that Cologne is quite a touristy destination for a lot of people. Laura works in an Irish bar, which typically at the weekend would obviously be showing all the football from around Europe would generally attract groups and some crowds and obviously groups currently aren't uh, allowed because of the sheer principle of social distancing and the amount of people you can have per table. But they didn't feel there'd been any major issues that they were aware of in her particular pub or in the other ones around the area. So it was an interest, interesting to hear, but like I said, the, the point of interest for me was that he didn't feel like people were rushing out to the bars. I mean, Paul took six days to go himself. Um, and I suppose from his point of view, if his wife is already working in a bar, he's not really increasing his risk that much more anyway, um, meeting one other person there. So yeah, I'd be interested to see how that develops and whether uh, Germany keeps its uh, infection rate fairly low over the coming weeks. Yeah, it's, it, it, it sounds as though people, are, the, the, the public, are a, a little bit wary uh, about actually going back into enclosed spaces with, with, with other people, doesn't it? Yeah, it did sound like that. And I think we sort of touched upon it previously ourselves that I think there'll be an element of that over here. I think there'll be an element of people who will just want to get to the pub. And I think there'll be an element of people who are still exercising caution. Um, definitely sounds like that at the moment in Germany. 
I'll, um, I'm quite happy to, to, we're having weekly WhatsApp chats, so I'll quite happy to find that and see what's going on. Yeah, it'll be good, be good to follow that and, and, and see how that's going. Well, it, it seems as though there's, there's a pub in the UK that's actually found a way to get around this as well once some, some restrictions are lifted. So this is um, uh, originally, I think the story was in one of the tabloids over the past weekend. And this is about a pub in Buckinghamshire called the Betsy Wynn. Um, where they've set up a system where customers are entering and leaving through a one-way system. They're seated at tables that are two metres apart and each of the tables are separated by perspex screens. Um, customers are urged to keep their hands clean, much like, like you said uh, about the bar in Germany with gel dispensers, and they'll be using disposable menus to place their order via a phone app. Um, and the pub will be limiting uh, to 250 customers but the premises is, is quite spacious and it does have a big beer garden. Now, apparently, uh, a government advisor is reported, reportedly quite supportive of these measures and brewery chiefs say that it can be in place three weeks after getting the green light. So it seems as though um, this is Oakman, Oakman Inns, uh, are the pub co that own this particular um, pub, but obviously they will have other pubs under their portfolio. It, it seems as though they've they've come up with a prototype that might just work. I think it will work for a certain type and size of pub. Um, I, I mean, I looked at the pictures for this pub, and it is a it is a pretty big pub. I think it's, is it on two levels as well as having an outdoor beer space. Um, you know, the fact that they would have to limit to 250 customers. I think there are some pubs uh, that we know who couldn't get anywhere near that number in if you were cheek to jowl, yeah. let alone with uh, any sort of social distancing and spacing away, spacing out from people. Um, I mean, that's not to criticise any options that a company can afford to deploy to assist in the reopening of some pubs, but I think quite frank, it is a good idea, but it works with certain pubs. You could see it working with the spoons. Oh, yeah, spoons. yeah. But again, if we, we apply that to pubs that we know, particularly like the Vic, that's, that's not going to work for the Vic, is it? Uh, no, uh, I, I, there's a lots of pubs I know that I don't think it would work for, even bigger pubs, because of the way it's got nooks and crannies. Whereas the one which the pictures of this one was very much, it was almost like rectangular, but quite wide still. You had plenty of room. I, I, could, I could picture what they were talking about from the pictures. But again, at least it shows that there's a bit of proactive nature going on. But you still need, you still wonder, and you still worry about how other pubs are going to be able to do it, especially with the fact that that two meters is it's a wide radius per person. It, it is, and, and, and interestingly, there's been there's also been a call this week um, from the industry to reduce the social distancing from two meters to one meter. Um, and this was, uh, I think this was originally published in the, the, the Financial Times. You shared this story with me. Um, so some of the pub operators are calling on the government to reduce the social distancing. Uh, two uh, big companies in, in Fuller's and Shepherd Neem, both saying that the UK rules are above and beyond the World Health Organization guidelines and who are advising people to maintain at least a metre apart. Um, and that keeping people two metres apart in the pub is going to be profoundly challenging. Now, that, that's quite interesting that we're, we're, we're now seeing a little bit of a pushback from the sector in terms of saying we want to do this and we want to do this safely, but, but two metres 
just isn't realistic. It's a tough one, isn't it? Now, I can only assume the, the reason the UK government has gone down the two-metre guideline is to build in the fact that some people can't seem to manage two metres anyway. If you said one metre, perhaps people would then cut it down to half a metre. But the World Health Organisation recommends a metre. We're doubling it. And like I say, if you're doubling it all the way around each person. So that's a, a wide area. And yeah, I, that's what I'm saying, going back to the previous story. There's so many places I'm, I'm, I'm picturing in my head, struggling about how you work the two metres, even coming in. I mean, the previous place has got a one-way system. Um, most pubs I know only have one way in yeah, I mean, and the many, same way out. How many times have you walked into a pub and just bumped into somebody coming out? Yeah. Um, I don't it see happens, how you doesn't it? change that. The Ale House in Chelmsford, they could potentially do a one-way system. They do have uh, double doors either side. They actually had four lots of double doors at the, uh, at the, the Ale House in Chelmsford. But I don't picture that how the Vic would work it unless they opened the gates at the side and had you coming in one way at the back and then one way out at the front yeah. or vice versa. The, the, thing, the thing for me that, that, that still doesn't, that, that none of this seems to be addressing, or all of this that we've spoken about this evening, is, is what is the potential pinch point of the toilets? Because you've, you've got to still maintain that distancing while in the toilets. And, and surely the only way that you can do that is, is, by, is by having the, the toilet entrances staffed. You've, you've, you've got to almost have someone saying, oh, no, you can't go in because there's somebody in there at the moment, or there's two people in there at the moment, and you've got to wait until they come out. So, yeah, Which, again, then that person who's manning, whoever's manning the door, you've got to leave two metres from them as well. Yeah. So, so it's all another, the time another it's space. more and more space, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you. I think that, again, feels to be a big, a big, it's going to be a big challenge for a lot of places. And, again, feels like it would be a big challenge, particularly for small, small pubs, local pubs, village pubs, uh, all of these challenges, I think, are going to be heightened by those kinds of venues, especially ones which aren't really food-led. So they haven't really built their model on a certain percentage of their income from food, haven't built it on having people seated a lot of the time. You know, that some places will definitely be able to do something, if not everything. I don't see how all places will be able to do it. Well, I think it'll be interesting over the next few weeks to see how pubs, pub co's, bars can continue to almost innovate to, to, to try and come up with, with ways to manage it safely. But this is something we'll, um, we'll come back to again um, if we've got any more updates about it next week and, 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 and talk about it again. So while we continue through uh, our Freedom Lager, um, what else have you been up to this week? What else have you been drinking, mate? Well, drinking-wise, uh, I definitely revisited one or two beers I've had before at the weekend. I decided to get into the cellar and uh, persuade Michelle that I could have a few cellar beers, even if she wasn't overly keen. And uh, typically, with it being cellar beers, they err on the side of high ABV slash MP stouts. So I revisited a barley wine from Adnams, their Tally Ho. 2014 iteration uh, comes in actually a very sensible size bottle, just the, an average 330 bottle, nothing too fancy about the bottle itself, but um, very nice, smooth, well-rounded, subtle fruitcake notes came in at 7.2%. So 
so maybe doesn't have quite the same uh, thickness mouthfeel that you get with some some sort of barley wines. Uh, revisited the SS9 from Leon C, their Imperial Stout, which we tried when we went to uh, interview them back back in last year. Really smooth, very enjoyable. But for whatever reason, I decided to start off Sunday with uh, Rain Shadow 2018. I don't know if I always fully appreciate those beers come the end of the evening, if I had a few others. So I thought, okay, it's a nice day. I was planning to have a catch up with my brothers that day, but we, we moved it on a, a day or so. And uh, I thought, okay, no one's really disturbing me. I took about an hour to drink it, sat outside my feet up in the sun, strictly speaking, in the, in the shade. I could see the sun. And uh, the Rain Shadow 2018 completely and utterly delivered on everything I was hoping it would be. Um, bit of smoke, bit of charcoal, velvety smooth, chocolate, no alcohol burn, and none of that boozy hit. What about yourself? Uh, just a couple. Again, nothing, nothing new, nothing that hasn't been stand out before. Um, uh, mentioned to Galway Bays of Foam and Fury, which which I've got a small supply of at the moment, and and I am thoroughly enjoying being reacquainted with. Uh, I absolutely love that beer. Um, in in my opinion, it's it's almost a perfect example of a double IPA. It's what a double IPA should look and taste like, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm I'm really enjoying revisiting that uh, on a couple of occasions. Um, another one that I revisited was the Colonel's Imperial Brown Stout, London 1856, which is an absolute delight of a beer. It's nine and oh, a half. It's a banger. It's a banger, yeah. that is. It is. It's so good. It's, it's so thick. It's so velvety. And it delivers such a solid roasted finish on it. It's just so well balanced all the way through. And it drinks nowhere near that 9.5% as, as well. Which is which is always always nice when when you're drinking a beer and you don't really re, you don't really know what 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 the ABV is doing, um, but it's dangerous at the same time when when they're yeah, that good. Definitely, and but I, that is definitely one of my favourite brown beers. Oh, without well, it's it's so brown, it's almost black. Yeah, in, in, in the glass, isn't it? Um, and then the last one, and this is this is a bit of a strange one. I, I opened another bottle of uh, Fuller's Vintage from last year, the 2019, um, which I've got to say, on the last two occasions that that, I, that I've drunk it, I've not been overly enamoured with it, and so I'm the, still not. It's the last time would have been the Opinions 100, wouldn't it? I, I think I've had it again since then. I, it's just the 2019 just isn't very good. And it, yeah, and it I, I didn't seem I didn't, to be getting any better. I didn't fall in love with it either. Um, it was still nice, but 17 and 18 sort of blow it out of the water, to be honest. Oh, the, the 18's an absolute marvel. Um, but I've, I've, like, like I say, yes, it's only been, well, where are we now, May? So it's only, what, seven, eight months in the bottle? Um, maybe I need to give it another six months. Maybe I need to wait again now until we do our end of year show where we always do the previous year's vintage to see how it's come on in the year. But I just don't know what it is about that 2019. It's, it's just not really clicking with me at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure that some of them do maybe take a bit longer to really um, mellow out. But I remember thinking, and the, the caveat to this is I actually still think it's good. But compared to, say, 17 and 18 which i 
enjoyed pretty much straight away, regardless of how old they were or how young they were. This one just feels like it, it, it's hopefully it, can, it can't taste any worse, but I'm, I'm hoping that it gets better. Whereas the other ones, I'm quite happy if they don't. Yeah, if they just stay as good as they are. Yeah. If they stay as they are, I'll still be happy. 2019, I want to improve. I don't know whether there's something going on in the back of my mind as well in, in, in terms of the whole Fuller's thing. And, you know, it's, it's the first year that it's not visibly had a head brewer sign off on it. And so therefore, was, was it under, actually done under the leadership of any head brewer or was it just a recipe that was thrown into a machine? I, 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 I don't know. Um, only time will tell on, on it, I think. Now, we attended a, uh online launch of, of a beer last week, didn't we? Which is, uh, which is a first for both of us. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of innovation going on in, in the industry at the moment in terms of the way the breweries and uh, pubs are engaging their customers. And, and this, was, this was great to be invited to and to be involved in the launch of uh, a new beer from our friends at Utopian Brewing. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was, what, 25 of us on at one point? Yeah. Uh, people from the brewery. Obviously, uh, Ruth was on there. Some of our friends and listeners were on there. You know, some of the glitterati of the beer, beer writing and beer communicating world were on there. So, yeah, it was um, enjoyable, to be honest. I just sort of sat back and watched and listened and, and drank my beer far too fast, was my plan of action. Same here, actually. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was the um, it was the Rainbok Mybok that they that that they launched, um, which we are going to be drinking later on in the show to, to, tonight as well. So maybe we'll drink that one a little bit slower. Um, but this was probably, uh, probably not. <laughs> no, this was a, a new brew for them, and they've done it in partnership with the Devon Community Foundation Coronavirus Response and Recovery Fund. So for every um, can of it that that they sell, they're going to be donating uh, a pound to that charity as, as, as well, uh, which, which is great. Which, bear in mind, the, I think the prices of the Utopian beers on the website are actually pretty reasonable. That's quite a chunk of the actual list price, to be honest. Yeah. Now, interestingly, because um, you actually had to dial off a, a little bit early after the main tasting, and uh, they started to talk about some of their upcoming plans and a little they'd obviously spoken a little bit about the background interestingly they've ended up in the middle of devon but originally they were looking to be in london oh okay and uh that, that, you know that's a real shift it's a massive they, shift they seem very pleased to be where they are and you know i think that's sort of borne out by the, the charity work they're doing with the community with the, the contributions they're making but yeah they apparently they were looking at london to start off with so complete shift of emphasis and what they're aiming to do but some of the plans they're talking about uh they're planning to make a vienna lager to add to their range they've also put some of the aforementioned mybok into some white wine barrels to see what happens there so they've got some plans a bit of barrel aging on some lager sadly especially for you and i steve dark lager is definitely seasonal oh that's disappointing yeah, sorry. I, I was trying to work out the best way to let you know, and I, I couldn't find a, a gentle way to, br to bring it down. And I've noticed a few other people seem to be a bit disappointed about that as well. So maybe we just need lots of people to be disappointed or we can get that dark lager to be all year round. Because I think it's a fantastic. It's not as dark as the Budvar, but I think that sort of 
that just adds an extra layer to, oh, to yeah, the beer. Yeah. Bearing in mind what we've already said about the freedom being a bit one-dimensional, then I would say that their dark lager definitely doesn't fall into that category. The, they're also planning a Czech-style lager around about the 38 to 4%, which is quite interesting. We tried a few of those back in February, didn't we, Steve? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Around that range, uh, just making them very sessionable, but presumably quite flavoursome and maybe, you know, following the fact that really good head on a, on a Czech-style lager as well. And for the summer, they're planning on bringing out a Radler. Oh, okay. Inter well. That's an interesting direction. Yeah. So they really are planning to really play with what is a lager, what styles they can bring out, what variations they can do. And also the fact that, you know, the my, the MyBot, which is out now, store that in some white wine barrels, dark lager seasonal, Radler for the summer. They're bringing out the Czech style lager, slightly lower ABV. It's lots of things that they're planning to do. And, you know, again, part of their ethos is uh, it's all, all British ingredients. So, again, interesting to know how they'll get the Czech-style lager, given that very much the Czech-style lager is very much uh, requires the, the, the Saz hops yeah. for it. So it'd be interesting whether they shift from just using the British or whether they develop their own, their own style and their own take on, the, on it. But it was very enjoyable, very informative. Uh, the, hour, the hour flew by. And, yeah, really uh, interesting way to do that kind of launch. And because it was, there, you know, there was plenty of other people asking questions on there. Like I said, I was able to sit back, swig my lager, and just pay, and just listen and watch. Yeah, and as, as we said earlier, I'm very very grateful to to, to Ruth for in, inviting us along to that, and for um, obviously as part of that, we got we got a couple of beers sent to us as well, one to try on 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 the tasting, and we we are going to be doing the, the other one the, the other one shortly tonight. So, and just to be clear, Ruth. It was bloody difficult to hold that extra can for tonight. <laughs> it has, especially especially with the the, the, the wonderful weekend that, that, that followed. <laughs> well, um, it, it has been hard to hold that second can back. Uh, well, let's get our final thoughts on um, the, the Freedom Lager, and and then let's hold back no longer, mate, and and let's dive into in into the um, Utopian Rainbok beer. Okay, um, that'll be a pleasure. Um, the Freedom Lager, it's it's inoffensive to be honest. Um, I reckon I could bring a six pack around of this to a barbecue, whether people were craft lovers, matters not a jot, crack open a couple of cans of these. If they looked at the can, I think they'd be happy with the design of the can. They wouldn't think anything of it. I don't think you're going to be surprised or enthralled by it. It's a lager and it's a lager very much as we know it. Yeah, I can't add anything else. I can't add anything else to what I added at the beginning either. So we're moving on to the Utopian Rainbok Mybok Lager now, which um, we were both quite surprised to find out was 7%. Just a bit. <laughs> did not drink like 7% at all, did it? No, uh, absolutely not. And I don't imagine it will tonight either. Uh, I look at that for a contrast in the glass compared to the last one. I know, and it's it's lovely because as part of of, of what um, Utopian sent us, we did also get one of their lovely branded glasses as well, which does have the uh, the scoring pattern on the bottom of it, which continually continually attenuates the drink, so you're constantly getting fizz coming up, and the head just continues to grow, which which I absolutely love. Again, that small little attention to detail 
is, is, is just fantastic. It does look fantastic. I mean, the can is a 440 can. It's a pint glass, all liquid, and a good two-finger white foamy head. It just looks so inviting. Well, let's, uh, let's procrastinate no more. Cheers. Let's dive in. Cheers. Still not 7%. They're still lying. That's just delicious. It's um, sweet. There's some bready notes in there. Some floral stuff going on. And then there's this really just smooth, balanced finish that comes with it. And that's just incredible. And it doesn't taste anywhere near 7% either. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... Although it's creating constantly attenuating and creating that white foamy head, it's very soft bubbles, very soft carbonation. In fact, it's a very soft mouthfeel all over for the lager, almost getting towards an ale-like mouthfeel. Yeah, uh, not so much the bready notes for me, but that sort of slight sweetness and that slightly floral, I think, on the... Um, on the tasting, it was described as a bit of almost like a geranium kind of floral note. I couldn't pick that up, if I'm being honest. It was a bit lemony, perhaps, for me, but superbly well-balanced, so easy to drink at 7%. I think that's yeah. the big thing. Really easy to drink. I would never pitch it probably much above the 5% if I was just being honest and doing it as a blind tasting. No, it's, it's, just got, it's, it's just got all that balance and that, that, that harmony that, that we encountered so often when we were in Czechia. Um, and, y you know, that just comes through uh, in waves on, on the end of it. It's, yeah, the finish is so soft, but it's, at the same time, it's just so refreshing and it's just so, so easy to drink. Yeah, and again, a bit like um, our, our friends over in, the che in Czechia, they do mature this lager slowly this is i think this is matured for around about 10 weeks um during winter as well so they really are spending time and money with their maturation process on their lagers etc and 10 weeks is what three and a half months mm. so it probably edges budvar as well budvar's the 90 days isn't it yes yeah for their for their standard but yeah I don't know if this will last much longer than the first time around, Steve. Well, I, not, I, think, I think we're going to maybe need to take our time on this because we've still got a bit to go. Yeah, because I'm not confident. <laughs> on tonight's show. Uh, so, so let's get into this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. And this is one that we uh, went back into our kind of vault for on, on, on this one. So this was from September 2019 we asked this question and that was how much do affiliate affiliations and associations influence your beer buying? So we had 398 votes, 23.4% uh, said a little, 10.6% said a lot, 66.1% said not at all. So uh, quite a clear vote in favour of people aren't really that influenced by um, breweries or brands associating their beers with other brands? Yeah, or, you know, other things. I think the, associ the association is quite wide, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. As we'll, as we'll see as we, as we get into the topics. And I think we'll save our, our view towards the back end of this opinions this week's day. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's dive in and have a, have, a, have a listen to what some of the, the, the listeners were feeding back. First up from Steve at Beer Nouveau. Um, it doesn't influence me if it's good, but the bad will put me off of buying a beer. 
Uh, John at a beer in the suburb. Signature brew do loads of tie-ins. I've rarely actually heard of the bands, but I've not had a bad beer from them. Either way, it's a factor that influences my purchases. Uh, from Gareth at Barrel Age Leeds. If a brand sponsored a team I hated, I'd probably be less likely to buy it. This is why Rangers and Celtics sometimes have the same sponsor. But more, or more of a turn off is behaviour, politically or otherwise, of those in charge of breweries. Uh, James at James Moosh. Certainly association with a sports team or band I like would have some influence to try it, but obviously not to keep buying it if it's a bit shit. I'm not sure about politics. I'd feel hypercritical avoiding a brewery because of their politics, given that I also buy macro lager. Uh, Mark Johnson at Mark N. Johnson. Four Huddersfield town-themed beers across three breweries have five stars on Untapped from me. So not at all. <laughs> not so sure about that then, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> not, so, not so sure. Uh, Joe Hill at Multiplex Rant. On the whole, no, except for wrestling-themed beers. They'll usually draw my attention if I'm faced with a choice. So maybe a bit, yeah. Paul at UNRCD. For me, I voted a lot. If it's political in any way, I can, it can get in the bin. If it's sporting related, I'd be put off if it was related to a team I don't like. Uh, Greg Stinson at Greg Stinson. Happily chugged Chang in Thai, Thailand, despite it being Everton's sponsor. Uh, from Riverman Brews at Riverman Brews. Was about to say not at all, but then realised we've undoubtedly bought beer due to an association with a band. And we will buy queer brewing beers whenever we see them. Because then there's normally a tie-in with queer brewing to, to other charities and associations. Finally, from Rich Taylor. Uh, I like Iron Maiden, but it doesn't mean I'll drink Trooper all the time. A lot of these topical themed beers are just gimmicks and try to sell more beer. If a beer is good, I'll drink it again. If it's poor, I'll avoid it. Unless Wiccan Wanderers bring out a beer, then I'm all over it. So, so where do you stand on this one, mate? What, what, what's your thoughts in terms of um, tie-ins, whether they be musical, sporting, theatrical, political, what, 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 whatever? Um, does, does it influence your, your, your buying of a beer? Yeah, a little bit. If you're a bit too politically ranty or a bit too up your ass, your own ass, then the chances are I will bypass your beer offering just because I don't go to look at it. I've gone past your tweet. I've gone past what you're saying. And you just sort of lost me a little bit. Positive associations. Um, I'm not sure. I tend to buy beers just based on the, the breweries and what other people say. Um, I mean, if Liverpool got themselves tied up with a brewery that I love and started producing some really good beers, then yes. But I never went mad for Carlsberg just because they were on the red of Liverpool shirts. My associations will be more place, be, be, be like places, you know, Spoon's association with wanting Brexit and pr actively promoting Brexit sort of lost me. And the final nail in the coffin was their behaviour at the start of this crisis with their staff. So I do have bias on my associations but it probably applies to venues and companies rather than just breweries what about yourself steve um i don't i don't think it influences me in a negative way i, I think it influences me more in kind of the well i'm interested in that then what way i mean you, you know you mentioned earlier about yeah yes wrestling themed beers all over those. Um, in, in fact, that's that's what ended up ended up getting Brew York on our radar almost in terms of that. Then some of the beers they were brewing was because of, of one of their beers was named after uh, a, a wrestler. 
So, you know, yes, they're ones that I'd buy to give a try just because of the association. Um, the, the other one, just, just linking into to Rich's comment there, the, the Iron Maiden association with Trooper. I, I think I, I actually still think, regardless of what you think about the beer, that's a brilliant tie-in beer. It, it, it's meeting two different genres and crowds of people and it's bringing them together in a way that you maybe wouldn't expect to. Um, I was recently listening to the, the the new camera podcast and they were interviewing, um, I think it was the head brewer or the chief executive of Robinson's and they, they were yeah. talking about how that tie-in came together and how involved Bruce Dickinson actually was with it, almost to the point that he learned the script of the brewery tours to, to be able to give people brewery tours on launch night of the beer. And that's now extended to the point where every now and again, it will turn up with a group of people who are clearly all heavy metal fans that have won a competition to go and have a tour around Robinson's Brewery with Bruce Dickinson, and then he'll take him around the tour. And, and, and I, th- I think that's, that, that's great. So like I say, regardless of what you think of the beer, I think it's a great tie-in. I mean, I was, at, I was at the Download Festival the year that beer was launched, and Iron Maiden were also headlining the Download Festival that year. And it was great that that beer was available at the Download Festival instead of Tuborg. Or, or whatever crap local car scale it was they were churning out instead. It was six quid for a 330 mil plastic bottle, but you expect that at a, at a festival. But it was great to be sat in the environment of Donington Park, drinking Iron Maiden's Trooper while watching Bruce Dickinson sing the Trooper. You, you, you know, you're not going to get much better of a tie-in than that. Oh, no, I'd agree with that. And, you know, I'd, even before I listened to the camera podcast, I was aware how involved Bruce Dickinson had got on it. And yeah, the beer won't be to everyone's liking, but it is a very traditional English brown red, copper red ale. Very much hits the mould. But hits the mould that Bruce Dickinson said that he wanted to be able to experience when he was at concert venues. Yeah. So, you know, very much did a thing. And let's face it, the other thing that Trooper got bang on was the branding. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, it's one of the most um, recognisable band mascots in the world. And, and to have that on the front of a beer bottle and subsequent many sort of limited releases as well that Robinson's and Iron Maiden have done under that partnership that they now have, under that association that they now have together. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I'm not the biggest Iron Maiden fan, but I did try it because I recognised the branding and I thought, well, actually, this is something a bit different. And let's see what it's like. Is it one to, to go back to? No. But I've been to plenty of concerts where it would have been the best option. It's, um, it's, it's great to hear those views. And I know that poll was from uh, a while back. There will be a link in the show notes to the poll. So if you want to have a, have a click through and look at all the answers that came through at the time, please do. Uh, if you still want to get involved in the discussion around associations um, with other industries and beer, use the hashtag opinions. And you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. First up this week from a friend of the show, Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers, who we haven't heard from for a while. So, Will, nice that you've got in touch again. Um, another entertaining listen to add a couple of points. Sabro is widely regarded as having a strong coconut taste, and I've only ever encountered it in New England IPAs. So, perhaps not one for you guys. 
Hawksmoor used to have a magic rock lab and they used to bring cans to the table. So I think that was, that was uh, referring to the conversation that we was having about the Thornbridge Hawksmoor yeah. lab. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good though, because like I, said, I think one of the problems cans have had for a while now is about the presentation at maybe at restaurants and things like that. And if places like Hawksmoor are comfortable serving cans at the table and not hiding it, to step in the right direction for the for the canned market. It's another perhaps nailing the nailing the coffin for um, bottles to some people. From Johnny Beer drinks beer at SE18 CBL, uh, catching up on a few shows and loving the snippets. With no commute, they now seem see me through a few washing up sessions. Steve's rating system for beer of the year seems a bit like beery version of Number Wang. Now I have to admit. I had to look up what Number Wang was, and it's a sketch show within a sketch show that I've never watched. So that reference was very much lost on me. Okay, well, I reckon it could be really good if you combined your rating system for Beer of the Year with Ashley's rating system out of 12 <laughs> from Men Behaving Badly. Try and merge those two together, and I reckon you could have hours of fun. It's, is it, no, it's not out of 12, it's out of 100, isn't it? It's, it's, eight, it's eight segments in 100 is 12.5 for each segment. And See, it's only because I, I listened to their most recent podcast this morning. And they were still I, about it. I did the same and I still couldn't quite get the scoring system. But anyway, congratulations, Ashley, on becoming a dad. From friend of the show, home brewer and current number one fan, Sean O'Reilly at Untrulia. Really enjoyed the show again, guys. It set me up for a day of report writing. Lots of interesting contrasting thoughts on FOMO. Also, I'm impressed that you recorded the day after the fancy pub crawl. I definitely couldn't face beer on Sunday after a great Saturday night out. Yeah, we didn't drink lots. <laughs> it was a struggle, I have to admit. It was, it was a struggle. Um, but we, we got through it. We got through yeah. it. Professionals, Steve. Professionals. From Gareth at Barrel Age Leeds, now managing to squeeze the odd podcast into working from home routine and especially glad to be able to make time to listen to this week's show. Top guestage from Paul Grant too. So that was Paul, our, pre, our, our most recent guest drinker. Yeah. Uh, and th- another similar comment to that, Paul, at UNRCD, another great podcast, which I really enjoyed on my walk today. The guest drinker slot works really well too. Personally, since lockdown, I've bought zero beers from supermarket, probably because we shop at Asda. Uh, from Beers Without Frontiers, podcast at beers underscore frontiers. Great show, guys. I like the guest drinker twist on the shows now. Great input from Paul Grant this time. People seem to really enjoy Paul on, yeah. on, on the last show. And people seem to be enjoying the guest drinker as well. So from Irish Beer Snob, at Irish Beer Snob. Really enjoyed this one, lads. Kept me company down the M6 this morning at 2am. From Mark Johnson, at Mark N. Johnson. Lovely snippet in regards to FOMO. I would argue that some of Steve's purchases, whether it be that recent siren beer mentioned or the Magic Rock glass, constitute as FOMO a little bit. Even the purchasing of Pondera online, as it was in Morrison's, could fall into that. Not a criticism, just showing that we all susceptible to it and comes in different forms. A nice balanced chat and great to listen to Paul, even though his voice made me miss Edinburgh dearly. Uh, from Josh Howes at Joshua A. Howes, agree 100% with Steve, more social media time equals more FOMO, which reminds me, I need more Pondera. I, honestly, <laughs> I, should be on, I should be on commission for that shit. <laughs> I really should. <laughs> Yeah, and too then, late. Too late, mate. Too I late. Know, I know. And then finally, from Beer O'Clock Brewing at Bo Brewing. Uh, Hi guys, heard about your show recently and have been catching up all week. I live in Colchester, so it's funny hearing you talk about the Vic and Two Brews. P.S. Our similarity in name is purely coincidence. Please, so don't sue me. 
I think I think that's really how. What a small world, though. That <laughs> in, in, this, in this whole beery world, that um, beer o'clock brewing are based in Colchester, which which yeah. is just down the road from what what you could call beer o'clock HQ. Uh, I, I suppose uh, we've got a few questions from our listeners this week. Questions, questions, fill my head. First up, this is a bit of a bit bit of feedback and a question. So from James Wiggins at Jimmy Wiggs. Love the latest FOMO show. It certainly gave me FOMO, especially in respect to the new Burning Sky releases. Not sure if you're in need of show ideas, but one question I'd like answered. How extensive is yours and Martin's cellar collection? And how do you decide what to age and what to split on and how to split your beer buying? Well, I have a shelf full of Fuller's Vintage Ale, uh, a few Belgian beers on a bill, uh, what I class as the Belgian shelf. He's uh, definitely got a few one, few age in there, a few lambics which are aging. Do, do you buy with the explicit intention of aging a beer, or or does does it sometimes end up that you're aging it? You, you've bought it as part of a wider order, and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to keep that one to one side. Yeah, there are a few that end up falling into that category, or it's a beer that I see that I know I want. Uh, my beer cupboard is in a fairly dark corner, so I'm fairly comfortable with the beers that are in their aging, but by no means an expert, and it is a, an element of guesswork when I take the beer out to have. Yeah, agreed. S- similar, I've got um, I've, I've got a shelf. Pe- people, listeners will know that I'm two years I think two years out of my, my 50th birthday now and and i've got this 50 beers for 50 years thing going on so i'm up to 25 at the moment that i'm aging and 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 james if you do want to if you do want to see what's on 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 that shelf so to speak i do have a list on untapped which is a public list and you can go in and you can have a look what what i've got lined up for it so um i do keep most of my um beers on various lists on untapped so so and, and they are open for people to view if, if you want to next question from adam johnson at maybe not a fad now adam we're gonna um caveat with this one we've we're probably not going to be able to give you an answer um but we wanted to, to to reference your question anyway uh with the change in situation for most brewers bars and bottle shops should a revision of the licensing laws in the uk be on the cards to age aid the economic growth in the sector now, had we had that question on either of the last two shows where we had guest drinkers, we could have given you a definitive answer, I, I reckon. I reckon either Rich or Paul, who both work in the industry in that sector, could have given us a good answer on that. I'm going to probably speak for you a little bit here, mate. You and I aren't experts on licensing laws, so I don't, I don't think we really want to approach this question at the moment. No, and also I'm not clear what... And we're talking about presumably positive changes in the um, in the revision of the licensing laws would be so yeah. But if anyone wants to give us any suggestions because they've got a bit more knowledge than Steve or myself, then please feel free to let us know. Absolutely, yeah. Hashtag opinions. Let let us know uh, a little bit about licensing law. And then one final question this week, and this is from Chicken Dipper at Chicken Dipper. I know that there are many worse things to worry about today, but my God, what is it with people posting pictures of beers in glasses with the wrong branding proudly displayed? Have you no shame? At least turn the glass around. Actually, uh, this may this may be laugh when I read it on Twitter. Uh, I have to admit. I've got a little bit of an issue with this as well because I've, I've, I've got a number of branded glasses that actually do work really well for certain styles of beer. But I will always make sure that if I'm not serving the, the, the branded brewery's beer in that glass, I will do my best to try and hide the branding. 
there are some that are unavoidable. I've got two magic rock glasses that are absolutely covered in little, the, the little magic rock emojis. You're never going to hide them. Did make me laugh. And I'm pretty certain I've seen um, references to this from Chicken Dipper before. But it, did, it made me smile. And as I said, I said on previous shows, if something's making me smile, it's a, it's a plus these days. And that's the end of the questions. Final thoughts on the Utopian Rainbok. I know I've got very little left in my glass. I reckon it's... we're probably down to about the same amount. I've kept a bit left just for this segment where you say final thoughts on the beer, Steve. Okay, let's, let's have one final sweep because it has warmed up a little bit. I think the breadiness was a little bit more prevalent towards the bottom of the glass uh, as it's warmed up. But still smooth, still easy to drink. It is very flavoursome, but it's, it's subtle, it's subtle flavours and well-balanced. Really, really enjoyable. Yeah, um, I can't add any more to that. It's, it is really easy to drink. It's really soft. It's really, it's really well-balanced. It is full of that harmony uh, and it's got a lovely soft finish on it as well. Uh, and it's a beer that, like I say, it doesn't drink 7%, but you could easily drink a few of those. And I, I, I think you'd be in trouble after well, it as well. Well, you might find out because I have placed another order. Okay, you know, so just to reiterate, um, you know, thank you very much to Utopian and to Ruth for sending us these beers, the glass, and for letting us get involved in the, the virtual tasting. But I have put in a bit of an order. One, I needed another glass. So I've gone for the craft beer hour box. And also, I've just bought a box which involved the rain box because I just wanted to some more of that. So, so people will be able to witness you getting completely rainbocked on, on, on this weekend's fantasy pub crawl then, yeah? It is quite possible. It is quite possible that could happen. I mean, there, there's a, there could be some potentially some big beers on that show, on the uh, fantasy pub crawl, Steve. It is, because we are doing a European edition of the fantasy pub crawl. There are still some places available. Um, if you have already booked on a session, we are now opening it up for you to book on multiple sessions. The links will be in the show notes. Session three is now full, so you can't book that one anymore. Um, however, the early bird, session one, session two, there are still spaces on those. Use the link in the show notes and use the uh, password Monopoly to access uh, bookings for that and come and drink all over Europe with Martin and I and associated others. Yeah, and just to be clear, for all those people who booked up session three just because they're hoping that me and Steve may be a little bit worse aware, that ain't going to happen if people don't join us on the other sessions. Exactly. So get your bookings in. Let's have a bit of a party before we get to session three. You've got to get us there. You, you yeah. know, we're not just we're not just going to turn up. We're not just going to turn up sober at nine yeah. o'clock. Nobody wants to see that. Let's, no let's one, be honest. No one's booked up to see that one, Steve. Uh, all that's left to say is thanks for joining us for another show. Um, hope you've enjoyed it, and we look forward to drinking with you again. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.